Welcome to the Focus Professional Podcast. This is Episode 5, and I'm Joe Lenton. Welcome to the Focus Professional Podcast, and today we've got a special guest, Hannah Nerit from Sweden, and we're very pleased to have her on. Today, she's a multi-award winning photographer. She's won many different uh, trophies, um, especially known for her storytelling style. Uh, she has taught at the Societies of Photographers Convention, and in fact, that's where we first met. Um, good to see you, Hannah. Good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So you must have enjoyed the uh, convention in London if you're still on speaking terms with us Brits. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it's really it was my third time there and it's really turned into one of the highlights of the year going to London and, and being there. Such a lovely bunch of people, you know. So, yeah, had a great time. That's great. Yeah, do you travel a lot then? Uh, I used to. I love traveling, but um, same as everyone else, there was a pandemic uh, came in the way of that, I guess. Plus, I have two relatively young kids. So I haven't really traveled that much in, in recent years, but it's it's picking up now. I'm actually going mm -hmm. to WPPI in a few weeks and then uh, later this year I'm going to Iceland. So I'm really looking Ooh. forward to start exploring the world again. So that presumably that's more of a holiday rather than to collect another trophy. Yes, no trophies <laughs> to be found in Iceland, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well you never know. never know you never know, never know. yeah what, what do you find in a geyser i don't know yeah well there's there's some interesting stuff going on there at the moment with all the uh, the eruptions that mm -hmm. are happening so yeah. yeah land of fire and ice as they say i hope the volcanoes um, calm down a bit for our trip <laughs> yeah yeah although i suppose it does heat the area up and it's known for being a bit mm. cold but <laughs> true i am swedish though so i mean I you're used, used to the to cold it. yeah yeah used to yeah it. Oh. <laughs> so you know did, did you find anything a bit odd then when you came to the uk for the first time was there anything that you had to sort of forgive us for and get used to <laughs> no i've been to the uk so many times over the years um, i actually lived and worked in london a very brief time when i was a teenager and then i've worked with british people for many many years and i have british friends so i think i think i'm past the point of being surprised <laughs> but um, <laughs> i think it's really lovely people i think the cultural difference to Sweden is not massive. We're pretty similar, similar sense of humour. So, no, mm -hmm. no, I really like the British people. Really enjoy Oh, that's great. Oh, you can come again. That's good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you're, um, you've got quite a strong team uh, from Sweden at the moment. Uh, you're picking up quite a few awards between you, and I, I noticed. Mm -hmm. So, and there's the World Photographic Cup, where you're doing well in that also. Uh, do you know the other photographers from Sweden well? Yes, by now I would say I do. I mean, we, we live in different parts of the country, so we may not meet that much in between awards, but we definitely stay in touch. And it's a really, really wonderful, friendly and supportive community around this. So I think we both cheer each other on and we can be happy for each other's success. But I think one of the reasons that we have had this success in recent years is also that we, you know, we have each other as competitors as well. We, we're friends, mm -hmm. but we're also forcing each other to be better all the time and i think that's a really healthy um, situation for all of us uh, it helps to keep you sharp i suppose doesn't mm. it yeah yeah definitely ah. definitely oh that's good 
it's nice to be able to share your success with others though i should think as well you know when you've got people there to celebrate with Oh, definitely. And I mean, if there's five of you in, in a team, then you have five times the number of potential wins to celebrate, right? So uh, I'm really, really happy that we have this good, strong team going. And it's really, really wonderful, lovely people as well. So people I'm really happy for when they do well. That's great. Yeah. So do you, do you find winning uh, awards is a big motivation for you to do your photography? Yeah, it's not very noble, is it? <laughs> we all do these things for different reasons some people do it for money some people do it for other things so you know if if that's if that's what you like then what's wrong with that it's something i've really learned about myself that i am a lot more competitive than i thought um i I used to say that i'm not a competitive person and my husband has always laughed about this saying "Mm, really (laughs) (laughs) he, he saw things that i didn't know about myself but since I started this um, photographic journey then and, and discovered photographic competitions, I've really realized that, yeah, it, it is a big motivator. Um, I'd like to think that it's not so much about the, the medals and the trophies as um, I think two other things, really. So the first thing is that it naturally gives me an audience for the art mm-hmm. that I create, because if I didn't yeah. have that, who would I create them for? Um, you could go down the route of, you know, having a big social media presence and um, mm-hmm. all of that, but I don't really have the time or the interest to do that. So I, I think I would have just gotten sick of that after a while chasing mm-hmm. followers and, 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 you know, yeah, that, that doesn't really motivate me. Or the other route you could take is, you know, do exhibitions, but that also takes a lot of time and, and work mm-hmm. and Well, and money getting easy. them all printed as well, you know, yeah, it's get, exactly. get, get expensive. Exactly. And to be fair, competitions can also get quite expensive after a while, but it's relatively easy. And um, it's just for me, it's easy to know that when I'm creating something, I'm doing that with a set of photographic judges in mind. They are Mm. my target audience and they are who I'm creating for. And that pushes me to be to get better all the time as well because there's no one Mm. as picky as a photographic (laughs) judge in a competition. Right. So I, I (laughs) I can't do, you know, good enough. I need to do as perfect as I can get it so uh, yeah. I think that's one of one of the drivers for me that I have someone to create for and the second thing with competitions is that um, um, so I have a background in, in science I have a master's degree in engineering and IT and I think that says something about the way my brain works um, okay. I'm quite analytical and this system of having a set of clearly defined categories and you assign a numerical score to an image that's very mm-hmm. scientific, isn't it? it? You take something that's very creative and, and you mm-hmm. apply the scientific approach to, to evaluating that. And I think that really suits me and, and my way of thinking about things. You get like ah, a really clear yeah. confirmation, like this you did well and this could be improved, you know. Um, so mm. it, it's, it's a very scientific approach to feedback because in the creative industry otherwise it can be quite quite fluffy what's good and what's not why do people like this and not this you know yeah so do you find you you're starting to anticipate what judges are actually going to like better now so oh, yeah. you you've you can look at your images and think this is going to score well this one not so much yeah definitely definitely yeah and of course i don't only create with the purpose of winning awards there's <laughs> there's the whole joy of actually creating as well but this mm. definitely something that i try to apply to any image that i'm creating you know how could i do this from the perspective of a judge so that the judge will also like this right so are you considering getting a further insight by uh, learning to be a judge yourself 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to judge the Swedish Nationals this year. So that will be my first time as a print judge. And I've ah, been invited right. to judge the yeah. Swiss online competition. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I really look forward to that. I think I'm going to learn a lot about my own creative process in that. But I also think it's just really good to be able to give back to the community and, you know, help other people grow. I'm really looking forward to that that aspect, I think, mm. most of all. Yeah. I mean, your your work is often um, it inspires other people to try different things as well. I think it's it's lovely seeing uh, creative people's Im images, uh, not just technically excellent, but they've got something else behind it. And it encourages other people to to raise the bar and to do something more as well. And of course, you were teaching at the uh, convention recently as well. Is that a yeah. side of things you'd like to do more of? Yeah, absolutely. And I have done that for a couple of years, uh, actually, in Sweden as well. So I freelance for an online um, a platform which teaches everything creative, really. It's based in, mm. in photography and photo editing, but there's um, a lot more uh, that they're offering right now as well. But I've done some online courses for them on, on image editing. So that's definitely something that I enjoy and I really want to continue doing. So mm. going from that online setting to, you know, live classroom training has been a lot of fun and it's definitely something that I'm going to keep doing. Great. Well, if I get the chance forward. again, but I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look forward to seeing what you come up with next, really. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now, what then do you, do you find really makes uh, photography fun for you? What what part of it all is the most fun? Is it the, is it the, the shooting, the editing, that, that kind of thing? It's the creative process that leads up to the final image, I think, for me. Mm -hmm. So I am definitely not a documentary photographer, and I never will be. And mm -hmm. I'm also not a nature photographer, because I don't have the patience of lying around, you know, in a bush somewhere and wait for a bird <laughs> in yeah. a specific light, you know, for three days. Um, no. <laughs> so for me, it's not so much about the final image as it is about all the stuff that leads up to that image so thinking about ideas thinking about how can i make this concept or idea that i have come to life how can i do that what props do i need what model do i need what setting mm -hmm. do i need and also preparing for that you know getting those props getting the clothes get it finding the people setting up the scenes that whole thought process and, and preparation process is something that i really mm. really enjoy mm -hmm. um I think that's the best part for me, really. And then I also love editing. I mean, I spend a lot of hours in Photoshop because I really, I, I can imagine I really enjoy this. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of photographers feel like editing is, is the boring part and just the necessary evil. But for me, no, that's, that's <laughs> where a lot of the creativity happens for me as well. When I start to visually mm. see it and I can tweak and adjust and just make it come together. It's, it's extremely satisfying. I think it's also a part of your style because, I mean, for me as a product photographer, sometimes people just say, well, why don't you outsource your editing? Because a lot of it's just getting rid of any dust, any imperfections in yeah. things. And you think, well, that's not all it is. You know, there are other things involved as well. It's the, the way in which I choose to use contrast and yeah. other elements within the edit that is actually a continuation of my style from how I lit it in the first place. So, mm. um, you know, it it, it is... Uh, a part of your style as a photographer is is that editing part some people choose to do very little some people choose to do more but yeah. i think it's it's important nowadays to recognize that it, it is an integral part of being a photographer really 
I 100% agree. I could never outsource that. I mean, that that's the fun part, right? So mm. <laughs> even cleaning up dust, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, if you're going to do competitions, you kind of haven't got much choice. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> you can't go outsourcing your edits for that sort of thing, mm. can you? No. So, exactly. I mean, you, so you're enjoying this kind of like um, building up stories with your images. I mean, is that... Is that did you go into photography intending to do that or did you start off trying all sorts of different things and eventually you came across this as and you thought yes this is my thing I started to learn how to use I've had a digital camera for ages but um, like so many other people I thought it was about the camera and not the person using it so I just shot mm. everything on auto mode and you know some images were okay most of them were crap um, but it wasn't until I went on maternity leave when, with my oldest son where I really started to learn because I found this classroom training at the um, the major photography museum in Stockholm. They had, um, uh, back then at least, they had um, courses for people on maternity leave. So you oh, could right. actually bring your kid. Uh, so we were like nine moms and one dad, eight with a baby, and you could mm -hmm. like breastfeed or change a diaper or whatever in class. No one minded. And it was mm. so good because it was a course that was, for me, because everything else that you do when you're on maternity leave, at least here, it's it's sort of directed towards the baby. So baby swimming, yeah. baby theater, baby music, whatever. But, mm. they, you know, babies don't care. My son was like <laughs> four months old. <laughs> they cared about, you know, eating and sleeping. And sh yes. This, you know, babies are quite simple like that. But mothers are not. Um, no. And for me, it's really nice to have something that, you know, was, was challenging and, and developing for me. So I really enjoyed that class and, and I sort of started to learn how to use my camera. Mm -hmm. And of course, that made me very motivated as well, having a child, because obviously you want to document mm. your child, right? So so for the first couple of years, that's pretty much what I did. I, I took pictures of him and started to get at least a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then when my second son arrived and I was again on maternity leave, I did a follow-up course, which made me deep dive a bit more into both using the camera but also we got to try out studio photography we talked about image mm. editing and the, sort of a yeah. little bit more advanced stuff uh, and that's when i really got hooked that's when i understood yeah. that this is what i'm meant to be doing um <laughs> so it, initially it was more about you know photographing people i started to invite all my friends with kids and then force them to be models for me just so i could practice <laughs> so I, I have so many pictures of my friends kids well, I see you still use your own quite regularly for um, for photo yeah, shoots. Yeah, exactly. They hate it, but they're easily bribable. So. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't always hate it. Sometimes they can actually enjoy it as well. But yeah, so no, I, I didn't start out on this route at all. I started out just by wanting to take good, good pictures of my kids, really. Um, mm -hmm. And then when I started to learn more about picture editing and found Photoshop, that's when I really understood yeah. the, the creative potential like wow i can really create some some fantastic stuff here if i learn this mm. so i started a project which i called the vintage family which was a um, set of images where i used my own family as models and i mm -hmm. dressed us all in vintage clothes and set up these scenes were like looking like they were from the 20s 30s 40s 50s mm -hmm. um doing different things like cooking or um doing magic tricks or packing a suitcase trying on clothes whatever it was like storytelling images um yeah. in a vintage setting and these images um, got a lot of positive attention because i started to post them online in different facebook mm -hmm. groups and instagram and so on uh, and i think all of that positive attention and people saying these are really good you should enter them into competition 
then you got this you know, positive loop of, of feedback, which made me realize yeah, that, yeah. yeah, people appreciate this and, and I enjoy yeah. doing it. So maybe this is what I should be doing. So I think it, it, that's sort of where it all started. And then it's just been continuing on from there. Grown a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So so um, now where do your uh, ideas for stories tend to tend to come from? Is it are you inspired by people you're with? Is it something you've read? Is it something you've seen on TV or do you some so just somehow create it out, out, out of your own mind? I'd say that most of my ideas, not all, but most actually start with um, a prop or an object or a scene that I see. Okay. So I, I do a lot of thrift shopping. I browse um, like thrift shops for um, for used stuff. With, I love the vintage look, right? So so old mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So it could be like finding an old typewriter um, in one of those shops. Then I buy okay. that and I think about, okay, what can I do with this? I really love how yeah. this looks. What can I do with it? Or, you know, walking past a bus stop. A bus stop is something that you could easily represent in an image, right? Um, mm-hmm. There are people waiting normally. What are they waiting for? Could I do something with that? Can I explore that idea and, and make mm-hmm. it into something bigger than just people waiting for a bus, you know? Could they be waiting for changes in life or their dreams to come true or whatever? Um, mm. So, so it usually starts with something physical, I would say, rather than the idea or the story itself that oh, I want right. to tell. So if you're finding yourself feeling you, you've not quite got an idea for your next um, project, you, you, you're you most likely to go shopping in like a sort of a charity shop or something or an antique shop and see what you can find. I don't think I've ever been in a situation I'm not having an idea. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a list of probably, I don't know, 70, 80 ideas on my phone that just keeps on wow. growing. Um have you bought all those items already? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Um, some of them I have. So, so for me, yeah. it's it's lack of ideas has never been a problem. Uh, lack of time right. is the problem. To I have so many of those ideas that I really want to to realize, but I just don't have the time. So I guess I'll just start picking them off one by one, and, and then. But it's never growing list. So yeah, I, I'm not too yeah. afraid that I will run out of ideas actually. <laughs> you'll probably need a very big cupboard cupboard for your props as well as time goes by yeah that's the problem i have a lot of them already and nowhere to store them so yeah. <laughs> home is getting very cluttered yeah so do you ever ever have times where you feel a bit demotivated with your photography where it's hard to pick up the camera or are you always looking forward to it oh i definitely feel demotivated at times and that is always when i have too much going on in the other aspects of life uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't make my living as a photographer. I have another job mm-hmm. that I do um, in a corporate job, nine to five work. And yeah. th- that's the type of, of job that can usually, I mean, it, it can be done in 40 hours in a week, but not always. Uh, I, I definitely mm-hmm. need to put in mm-hmm. the extra hours every now and then. And, um, you know, lo- lots of stuff that I can't really leave behind when I leave the office either. So I feel that when that becomes intense, then obviously the, the amount of time that I have for photography is a lot smaller and the same you know mm-hmm. there's a lot going on with the kids or um, you know too many mm. social engagements um so that definitely sometimes make me feel like i, I don't even want to pick up my camera because I'm, I'm, i don't have the energy right now mm. but i'm also in a very privileged situation then because i'm not dependent on my photography to pay my bills then yeah. i can simply not do photography for a while and that has definitely mm. happened like okay i'm stepping away for two months now and just letting life catch up with me um, yeah 
And then what's happened so far, at least, is always that I've been able to find my way back to that motivation once things mm. are a bit more in balance in life in general. So um, just just getting rid of the, some of the stress just helps you to discover your motivation then? Definitely, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting because I suppose, you know, uh, most of my work tends to be um, stuff that I'm doing for somebody else that they've commissioned mm. and therefore can be quite restrictive in what they want. Um, yeah. You know, for someone like me that actually quite likes being creative and, and occasionally entering competitions, I can very rarely do so because mm. most people want pictures of things on a white background, which is... Yeah. Uh, no it's for a competition it's useless <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter how how good the product is no one wants mm. to see like a, an e-commerce image at a competition so you know I, I find a lot of the time i have to create my own personal projects and find the extra energy for those yeah. otherwise um it can just get quite quite tiring just keep plodding mm. doing that to, in mm. order to make a living so uh, for mm. you it's a little bit more of a conscious choice then and you, you you can you can do creatively what you feel like i mean do you yes. think then that you would rather not um switch to earning fully from photography do you think that that kind of pressure would actually be ne a negative for you with your creativity definitely I, I am in a very privileged situation right now that I have this job that I really like. I have no desire to, to you know, leave mm -hmm. what I do for a living. I really enjoy that. So it, it's, of course, really great to have that and also be able to do photography on the side. Mm. So people keep asking me, when are you going to become a full-time mm. photographer? And the answer to that is just never. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I do a little bit of, of shooting for clients. I do family outdoor sessions uh, for clients, mm -hmm. which is very different from my creative work because there's hardly any editing in that. It's more like being in the moment, um, yeah. trying to get those kids to do what I want, which is a challenge in itself. <laughs> and some, One that I really enjoy. I like working with kids. Um, and that sort of gives me a little bit of an income that can cover the photography-related costs and, again, teaching and so on. Um, so there's a commercial side to it. But then what I do for competitions, that is 100% personal projects. No one is paying me mm. for, for that. It's just me and you know, what you were saying about people wanting things in a white background. I don't want anyone else to dictate what I spend all those hours on. I want to do it mm. the way I want to do it, right? So yeah. So that time is, is sort of holy for me. And I wouldn't want to do that type of work for, for anyone else. Yeah, I mean, some of your sort of illustrative images is sort of like you could almost think, well, that could come, that could work well in the advertising industry, but it's, it is so prescriptive you've got yeah. art directors you've got mm. uh, you know, all these layers of people that have to say yes or no and they'll come back to you and say we want this changed we want that changed and uh, that's yeah. not for everybody some people find it very difficult to have other people having that kind of input mm. with their work definitely and i think for me i've always been rather independent and wanted to do things my own way and, and here mm -hmm. i really have the chance to do that uh, sometimes to the extreme, I wish I was a bit more collaborative sometimes in my image mm -hmm. creation. That's something I, I think I want to try and develop, you know, bounce my ideas of other photographers or get feedback, you know, outside of competitions and so on. So mm. I think maybe I'm a bit to the extreme <laughs> sometimes. It would be good <laughs> to, to have someone else's opinion to to work by as well sometimes. Yeah, I mean, what, um, you know, one thing that things like the societies of photographers and others offer is that kind of um, mentoring along the way to, especially to produce like panels of, of images, 
you know, you can do it just to develop your style. It doesn't always have to be for qualifications and all that. But is that something you think you'll benefit from? Or is that something you think you'll find it quite hard because you'll be a bit protective of what you've made? No, I've done the mentoring program. I've, I've had uh, two sets of images, I think, through that. And I've gotten some really, really fantastic feedback on that. So thanks, mm-hmm. Christina Lauder, for that. Um, <laughs> she's been a great mentor. So no, that's been super useful. And that's also you know, one of the reasons why I've really understood that, yeah, this is probably a good thing and something that I should do more. Mm. So are you a keen learner then? Do you read a lot? I used to. Um, these days with life being so mm. <laughs> so busy, very little, unfortunately, but I wish I, I did more. But I used to love books. I, I used to be a reader like 100% of the time when I was a kid, you know, walking into yeah. door stops. Just <laughs> holding a book and reading while walking. <laughs> so with with all that you're doing at the moment, um, do you have goals ahead of you? Are you somebody who likes to plan ahead and aim for particular things or would you prefer to just allow your photography to sort of float along a bit more? Um, I, I guess I am normally a, a planner, but when it comes to my photography, it's really important to me that I allow it to be passion driven and not performance mm. driven. So for that reason, I'm choosing to not set up any goals. Um, I, I'd mm-hmm. rather keep it just floating along and then do whatever I feel like in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, um, I have signed up now to do a qualification panel next year at the convention. So that's something Ooh. that I, I'll need to work <laughs> towards. Yes, that's going to be um, fun, but hard work, I guess. Um, mm. But I try to stay away from things like I, I definitely don't want to grow my business because I don't have the time for that. So <laughs> there's, mm. there's nothing there. Mm. And of course, I want to keep developing and getting even better at what I do. But I, I also don't have any time pressure or sort of set criteria for that it's just an ongoing Mm. journey that i really enjoy the journey itself and and not focus too much on the end station so to speak Mm. do you have any kind of like uh dream projects where you think if only i could afford to that or if i could wish if i could go there or wish i could work with that person is there anything that you could think of that if uh, if there were no barriers you think i'd really love to photograph that that would be a great project um one of my pet peeves is really that the diversity in models in the photographic industry is just right. 90% mm. are young, skinny, white girls, pretty in mm-hmm. their you know, early 20s. Um, <laughs> so many images that look like that. And to me, that's so uninspiring. Um, mm-hmm. I really would like to see a transition where all sorts of people i'm not saying don't don't shoot the pretty 20 year olds of course you can do that as well but i mean <laughs> yeah, society yeah. consists of more people than, than that you know so mm. I, I really something that i try to do is to photograph people of all ages and both genders and you know uh, mm. people who are people of color people of all different backgrounds and uh, that's something that I would like to keep exploring as well. And especially mm-hmm. since storytelling is one of my passions, right? Then there's so much more story to be told if you have a, a person that looks like a real person and not like a Barbie doll that you put some clothes mm. on to make a pretty picture. So I guess the answer to your question is not a specific person or not a, not a specific place, but mm-hmm. exploring more interesting people with interesting appearances that might have a, a story to tell visually. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Uh, is that something you think you might need to travel to do? Is that something you think you can you can do in your sort of home studio? I think I could do it. I, I'm always on the lookout for people with interesting 
looks, um, mm. whether I'm, you know, at work in the cafeteria or out on the street or at the gym. Um, mm. I, I think the main challenge is just that I have to overcome the built-in shyness of walking up to someone I don't know and say, hi, can I photograph you? That's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's scary, you know. I, yeah. I've done that once. It turned out really well. Um, he was super happy ah. to be asked and was a, you know, a fantastic model. So, so that was all good. So maybe I should try and be a bit more confident in that area. And, and you know, I, I think most people would enjoy it. I mean, yeah. So that, yeah. It's, it's a challenge for myself, I guess, to, to do that more. Yeah, some of those things can be quite difficult, especially if you, I mean, I'm I'm very much an an introvert. So for me to go up to somebody I don't know and ask them to do something is difficult. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. even big big parties, even with people I know, I, I, mm. I find very difficult. Whereas you know, some people sort of think, what's the problem? You just go talk to someone. It's just another person. <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, I think it depends. It, it can depend quite a lot on what type of person you are as to whether that's natural or not, can't it? Definitely. And I mean, I'm not a shy person as such, but it's it's also, I, I guess, a very cultural thing in Sweden. We are quite scared to talk to strangers. It's something that we're known for <laughs> <laughs> internationally. Uh, making small talk with strangers is not our, our strength. So it's also not just about me, but also about how will the other person think? What, what would the mm. other person think if I come up to them? Will they be scared? Will they be uncomfortable? Yeah. Do you do you think then that with your storytelling with people like that? I mean, it, it sounds as though you know that idea to bring more diversity into into portraits and so on. That sounds as though you could risk going into images becoming a little bit sort of political and all that. Is that something you would happily do, or would you be careful and reluctant to do that? I think it's no. I don't think it's political. Just to want to represent people of you know more, more mm. skin tones mm. and, and races and whatnot. Um, I don't think it has to be political. And no, I don't think I'm going down the political route. That doesn't really interest me mm -hmm. as much. I, I guess it depends on what you define as political as well. I have no problem with taking a stance against, you know, racism or homophobia mm. or sexism. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see that as political. I see that as just, you know being a decent human being <laughs> so i guess it, yeah. it depends on where you draw the line but if you were talking about party politics then no i'm not that interested oh no no no, no i think but it's, it's more that kind of a message which has perhaps got a challenge for parts of society really um mm. that's probably more what i mean uh not aligning yourself with any anybody in particular no mm. but sort of thinking that with your images um, I mean, there was there was one that you had in the um, in the convention where you know a lot of the time people sort of think well, in, in, in images are there to create a lot of the positive emotions or to get you interested. But there, there you know, we had one in there uh, with um, a lady leaning against this this hourglass with all this sort of yeah. symbolism around her um, that actually brought a lot of people close to tears. You know, it's yeah. it's a challenging kind of an image, the a sort of topic that perhaps is not commonly spoken about so mm -hmm. um it, it seems as though you do quite like to bring a little bit of a challenge to your viewer by you know showing them something that perhaps they're not used to seeing yeah that's something that i've sort of discovered along the way i guess because that, that image is about infertility and, and the struggles and that, that many especially women face with you know mm. getting older and feeling that you're running out of time that's the title of the image running out of time mm. um and, and everyone else is, is having babies, you know, and posting on social media. And, and you have this sort of social mm. pressure as well of, of be, becoming a mom. Um, 
and, and for me that that topic is close to heart not because i've experienced it, experienced it myself but because i have quite a lot of friends who have so mm-hmm. it's something that i think for me it's not something that people don't speak of because we speak of it quite openly and i know so many people who have struggled with okay. this yeah yeah and that might be a, a cultural thing as well but mm-hmm. I, I think for me the, the positive feedback that i have gotten around doing that kind of images that make people a little bit uncomfortable maybe because it's heavier feelings you know it's not just mm. happy and, and, and cute um mm. There's been a lot of people reaching out, both about that image and, and other images, saying that this this really moved me. Thank you for bringing attention to this this uh, sensitive mm. topic. So it, it's obvious that it means a lot for people if you dare to go a little bit outside, mm. just creating pretty pictures and happy pictures. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you tell a story so powerfully and simply with, with an image, you often have actually quite few props, really, when you consider um, how complicated some scenes can end up being. You know, you can look at some of the classical painters and some of the scenes can be incredibly busy. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on there. But you, you, you seem to find ways of s- telling a story quite concisely. Um, you seem to pick quite key um, items that, represent something important for the story so you don't need an, an, an awful lot um i mean how difficult is that do you find that you actually have to weed out things so you get it simple or, or are you somebody who naturally starts from a very simple place and only adds in what's necessary i think the latter because i tend to build my scenes from nothing it's not like i have a room full of things and, and, and i shoot mm. in there and then i have to take things away um since most of it, my images are composites then of course mm. the more things i add the more work it means for me right so <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a natural yeah. <laughs> carrot dangling in, in front of me you know <laughs> for not adding too many many things um <laughs> and i also live by the rule that in a storytelling image everything that's visible in the frame should add to the story if it doesn't mm. add to the story, don't put it there because it's just going to be confusing for the viewer. And yeah. I think that has really helped me to to keep it clean. And sometimes I think about, should I add this? Should I do that? Should it be rather than a plain background? Should it be in, in some sort of setting? Mm. But most of those times I end up feeling like, no, this doesn't add to the story. This risks distracting mm. the viewers. So I, I guess I... I quite like the more minimalistic approach than the maximalistic approach in, in that sense. Mm. Yeah, each part carries more meaning with it as well, then, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, mm. from a simple item to the use of colour in the image, yeah. even can can is is a bit like um, Je- uh, Jessica's image that won the uh, overall print um, mm. at the convention. Uh, you know, it's just just in in essence, you think it's very very simple. How can it be such an amazing print? But you know, a dog cowering in in an alley. You know, yeah. But the colour and everything tells the story, and by leaving things out again, it's, it's it gives a sense of loneliness and that. So it it's an art knowing what to include, what not to include mm. and yeah. yeah so have you got have you got many images that you're working on at the moment uh i've got a couple yes um trying to find the time both of those are composites with quite mm-hmm. a lot of elements so they take a lot of time um i try to do less and less of those but sometimes i have an <laughs> idea that i can't resist so <laughs> yeah. um yeah, I'll, I'll try and find the time to complete those. And then I'm starting the project of my qualification panel, which mm. 
uh, where I need 20 images, you know, on the same theme. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a challenge for me because patience is not my strong suit and I tend to get tired <laughs> of something quite easily. So I think I'm going to yeah. love it for the first like two or three images and then I'm going to hate it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think it, the, the difficulty sometimes of putting a panel together like that is you shoot the, um, maybe your first 10 or something like that and then you start to think, actually, I'm not happy with the first few anymore. And you, mm. you want to go back and do <laughs> do. Yeah. there's a danger that you just never finish because you keep learning as you do it and mm. um i certainly found i i i improved quite a lot with um, my understanding of the lighting and everything as i was shooting and there's the stuff that i've shot since then of similar subjects and thought oh i wish that could have been in my panel mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah but it's a great way of of giving you that impetus to to keep creating as well yeah yeah absolutely mm. so I, I think i'm really going to learn a lot from it and it's going to be a very very useful thing to do um, mm. Then having said that, 20 images is quite a lot if, if you make them all composites, which naturally makes them very time consuming to put together. And it's more than yeah. I usually create in a yeah. year. So I really have to be focused and disciplined around mm. this, I think. Oh, that's interesting. How, how many images would you say then of those kind of composites you, you aim for in a, in, a, in a year, in a season of photography? Probably around, I don't know, 15. So maybe, mm. oh, maybe once mm. a month or something, 12, 15 yeah, mm. ish. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're you're really refining a few images rather than just churning out lots and lots. Definitely. That's interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's do, all, all different approaches that people have for creating their work and uh, what they what they connect with and what works with their their personality and everything. So you're clearly somebody who's that, that much more sort of methodical. I mean, when you're doing your kind of composites, do you take notes as to how you've lit something so that when you shoot another element for the composite, you know it or do you just store it all in your head? I try to keep the lighting setup very simple whenever I shoot for a composite because yeah. the more advanced you make it, the more difficult it is to, to make it come together. So yeah. I go about it by using almost always the same setup, just, you know, one single mm. light coming from the, the upper camera right. And that's mm -hmm. it, because then it's easy to remember, right, if you always keep the same. Uh, if I do do a bit more advanced stuff, which happens not too often, but occasionally, then, yeah, I, would, I guess I would make some notes, but it. No, I mean, I can also, if I look at the image, I can usually remember what my light setup mm. was. So I, I don't usually need that kind of, of notes either. And also because ah, I don't do, good. you know, I don't I don't do 100 images per year. I, I try to keep focused. Yeah. And it's not so yeah. many that I have to keep in my head either. Yeah. What are the sort of common mistakes you see people make when they're trying to do composites sort of for the first time? Definitely the direction of light is one of them, that you have the mm -hmm. light coming from different directions on your object versus your background or setting. So that's one. Um, the perspective is another one. Mm. So shooting, for instance, the background with a very wide angle lens and the object with the, um, the, the other way around then, uh, mm. a longer focal length. And those two perspectives just doesn't match. Or, you know, shooting the object slightly from above when the, the scene that you're putting it in is it's shots parallel to, to the ground. So, mm, so that kind yeah. of perspective is something that it took me a long time to really understand how, how to how to see mm. what fits together and, and not. Um, mm. And the third one would be the depth of field. So aligning the mm -hmm. depth of field of the different objects that you have so that the, the focus plane is the same for mm. all of them um, relative to your, to your camera. Then. 
Yeah, there's a lot to bear in mind when you start going through it like that. Mm. You, you, you just realise just how many elements go into making a, a, a composite image, really. Yeah, definitely. And I think all those three things are things that you really need to think about when you shoot because it's really hard to fix in post. I mean, of course, <laughs> yes. it can dodge and burn if you have the <laughs> direction of light, you know, slightly off. But if you mm. if you're doing it completely wrong, then it's going to be really really difficult to do something about it i mean if the, the color balance if the white balance is off then you can always fix that in post that's a relatively easy right if you want to change the yeah. whole color scheme and the noise level or whatever but there are things yeah. that you really need to get right in, in camera Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I've I've seen some uh, uh, interesting attempts along the way, and I've tried it occasionally myself. And it can be, yeah, mm. <laughs> you look at it, and you, there's part of when we first grow into it, you look at it and think it just looks a little bit strange. I'm not quite mm. sure what it is, and then you start to realise uh, what what you need to do with that. Um, I've used a little bit of CGI sometimes uh, for to create backgrounds. Um, and that that can work quite well because you can actually set up a camera in mm. there with exactly okay. the same settings as your camera that's taking the uh, the product shot. So mm. that that works quite nicely. Um, I mean, do you uh, ex have you explored anything like CGI? And, and uh, that's obviously slightly different to AI, um, which you definitely can't use in competitions. Mm. But yeah. um, it, uh, do you? Are you interested in those becoming from a scientific background? Is it something that sparks your interest or is it just, well, you know, it, it's a tool and I can't use it for competitions anyway? Mm. I tried it a little bit when I was at university, um, but no, it's never really appealed to me. And again, then no, I can't use it in competitions anyway. So it's not, yeah. it's, no, it doesn't really do it for me, I think. Um, I, I have some images where I've actually... Uh, done drawings myself like hand-drawn illustrations uh, okay. and, and merge them yeah. with my image and that appeals to yeah. me a lot more than than creating something virtually but then it's yeah uh, it's usually yeah. A, a combination it's not cgi but you know taking something that i've drawn and, and refining that in in photoshop mm. so there are elements that aren't 100 photographic as such but mm -hmm. not cgi um, and when it comes to ai that's of course a super exciting and interesting developing development happening mm. i mean the, the the text to image things that we see now for me the, going back to what i enjoy about photography it's the creative process right so mm. Mm. ai for me is just skipping all the fun parts and getting to a result that has nothing to do with what i have in my head anyway because no matter yeah. how good I, I get at prompting it's not going to look like you know what's in what's in yeah. here um so so ai doesn't fulfill any needs for me creatively i can definitely mm. see the use cases in my in my other job in my corporate job that that's a, that's a fantastic mm -hmm. opportunity but you know for, for my creative satisfaction ai is not very interesting um what i am hoping mm. for and what i'm sure we will see within the very short future or near future is ai tools making compositing easier because um, mm -hmm. there's still a lot of hours that go into getting a composite yeah. scene to look right and if ai can help with that then i'm i'm, I'm super happy it could still be my images it could still be my vision but you yeah. know just speeding up the process that that would that would be good i think I'm, I'm always a, a kind of um, hopeful with each release of photoshop that the selection tools will have got that little bit better mm. a little bit better because you know the number of times we go around something with the pen tool and you think oh Exactly. <laughs> another <laughs> it's not the exciting part of the mm. edit it's the bit where you stick some music on in the background and you yeah. just click and get on with it 
each time I keep hoping and people say, oh, look, look what it can do now. And then I take it into my applications and say, like when I've been doing jewellery and you get like a chain or something Mm -hmm. and you go, Mm -hmm. "Okay, cut all the holes out on the chain. And it goes, no, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) He said, come on, do something useful. (laughs) To be fair, it is getting better and better, but I I agree with you. It's, It's not all the way yet. There is definitely still improvement potential. So, yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to give it the creative stuff. I want it to do the boring bits yeah. for me. That's that's exactly. what the computer's for. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. Yeah, exactly. When it can do the boring bits, then then I'm happy yeah, to say yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, thank you very much for talking to us today, Hannah. We've uh, it's been you. really great having you on the podcast, and um, we should look out for results coming out in uh, in the future. See how you're doing. And I'm sure there'll be plenty more exciting images to see in the future photography competitions. So thank you very much for coming on. Uh, It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's great talking to you. And thank you all for listening. This is the Focus Professional Podcast. (laughs) 